3 a.m. Tales of Terror contains explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of 3 a.m. Tales of Terror, where we tell you stories of the paranormal. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your co-host, Keeney. Yeah. And this episode, I'm going to name it different than like what I normally would, just because <laughs> Dudleytown, Connecticut sounds weird for a title. So no, I'm going to call it the, it's, it's going to be called the Dark Entry Forest, because that's what this town is coined for and that's and that's what we're going to be talking about uh is smack your mic i did <laughs> i did, <laughs> I did. <laughs> um and that's what we're going to be talking about is dudley town connecticut which is more or less like haunted and has paranormal happenings a lot of just strange events and some strange people went there and they dun dun yeah and they like founded it. And also, I wanted to tell this story next because King Henry the Eighth is in this is mentioned in this story, and so is Lady Jane Grey. So you'll get to hear about them, and they don't relate like back to our last episode. But I just thought it was cool that they were mentioned in this story. So that's why I wanted to put it next to each other. I mean, most of Connecticut's pretty messed up. I've never been to Connecticut at all. You're not missing anything, man. What if we have people from Connecticut that listen? I mean, okay, I know I'm it's... from North Carolina. You're like, should I come to North Carolina? Nah, dude, you ain't missing nothing. And we have beaches, and you have mountains, and you have Asheville. Wow, you're every state on the East Coast, with the exception of Asheville, but everybody else has some type of. Bar we have down. the Biltmore. Not that that's. Ooh. Not that that's. Exciting a house. All. Go visit that house. Well, it's a mansion, but a house. I don't... It's an estate. I don't know what the difference... It's not a mansion, though. I think that has to do with, like, bedrooms and bathrooms. Well, it's an estate because the government owns it. That is why it is now an estate. Well, I... You know do- North Carolina bought the Biltmore, like, property and everything for, like, like a million dollars. That is not what it's worth. No, it's worth like $600 million. Yeah. Because the family couldn't pay for it. Anyway, semantics. Semantical. So the family couldn't pay for it, and now they charge you an ass load of money to go see it, and you get to see like maybe 30% of the... It's a government for you. <laughs> it's a freaking you government don't, for you. Don't go to the Biltmore. It's it's a waste of money, and they have um, bars and ropes up and everywhere, and you can you can only see literally like like two-thirds of it, maybe. It's a third the, of it. It's because the rest trashed. <sighs> Probably. So anyway, you're not missing much. Yeah, and there's we're not... a lot of hauntings in Connecticut. Not <laughs> plug the movie. <sighs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, let's get started. Yeah, so we're going to Connecticut, um, and we're staying in Connecticut because this is all. This is one big long story. Is it in Dudley Town? Uh, it's in Dudley Town. Yes, it's a town called Dudley Town. They were very... Say town. Trust me. One more time. They, they were very original because their last name was Dudley and they just put town on them. You know, it was the 1700s. We'll get there. Let's... We'll just start. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
You got this. <laughs> Do good things. In the far reaches of northwestern Connecticut, in the shadows of the mountains and lost in the pages of time, rest the remains of a small village called Dudley Town. It's a village called Dudley Town, not a town called Dudley Town. It's too small to be a town, but still they named it Town. I'm just annoying you by saying town multiple times. I will quit. I swear to God. <laughs> you just like saying town. You're fixated on that It's word. a fun word. Town. Town. You can say it with a lot of different accents. Town. That's one. That might be all I got. <laughs> <laughs> you can say it with so many accents. I got one. That's all I speak is... Please keep going. Okay. The homes of this once thriving community are long gone, but the land where the town once stood is far from empty. Amidst the forest and rocks are tales of ghosts, demons, unexplained mysteries, curses, and a rich history that dates back to the very beginnings of America. Today, only the cellar holes and a few stone foundations remain. The roads that once traversed this place are now a little more than narrow trails where only a few adventurous hikers and the occasional ghost hunter dare to wander. Although it is forbidden, the most hardened curiosity seekers still dare to venture down dark entry road and into these shadowy woods at night. Dudley Town, or at least the area where it was located, was first owned by a man named Thomas Griffiths one of the first to settle in this region in the early 1740s. There are no records to say that he ever lived where Dudley Town later stood, but he did own half of the land in 1741. A few years later, with the arrival of Gideon Dudley in 1747, the village would be named. Gideon was followed to the region by two brothers, and Dudleys have become known over the years as the men who brought the who brought a curse to this small town, a curse that has allegedly plagued the region ever since. Yeah, right? Allegedly, yes. Really, I'm, Avery? I'm allegedly. Sorry. Allegedly. We don't know. Allegedly. Well, it's because, like, some of these things, you know, they just happened, and some sometimes, I mean, they might not have happened. Smack the shit out of that mic. It's fine. <laughs> According to what has turned out to be both recent and fanciful accounts, the quote-unquote curse had its beginnings in England in 1510. At the time, Edmund Dudley was beheaded for being involved in a plot to overthrow King Henry VIII. Allegedly, a curse was placed on the family at this time, which stated that all of the Dudley's descendants would be surrounded by horror and death. Proponents of the curse claim that the Dudley's then began to experience a rather disquieting run of bad luck. Edmund's son, John Dudley, also attempted to control the British throne by arranging for his son, Guilford, to marry Lady Jane Grey, next in line for the crown. After Edward VI died, Lady Jane Grey became the queen for a short time before the plan failed, ending with the execution of Lady Jane Grey and the two Dudleys. To make matters worse, Guilford's brothers returned from France and from France, <laughs> and being a military officer, brought home a plague that he spread to his officers and troops. The sickness wiped out massive numbers of British shol- soldiers. Soldiers, Sean Connery, soldiers. Good lord. The sickness wiped out massive numbers of British soldiers. Dude, I'm sorry, man. I don't know why I have a freaking lisp today. 
The sickness wiped out massive numbers of British sh- If I say shoulders one more time. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in there. <laughs> you better just keep going. <laughs> the sickness wiped out massive numbers of British soldiers and eventually spread throughout the country, killing thousands. John Dudley's third son, Robert, Earl of Leicester, a favorite of Elizabeth I, wisely decided to leave England and travel to the New World. It would be his somewhat luckier descendant, William, who would settle in Guilford, Connecticut. Three of William's descendants, Abiel, Barzali, Barzali, and Gideon, would later buy a plot of land in Cornwall Township. God, they, they have some weird names. Dude, British soldiers? God. Soldiers. While there are undoubtedly some grim events that surrounded the Dudley family in England and France, questions have been raised as to whether or not any curse really followed them to America. The question has been raised because in order for the curse to have been passed along to account for the haunting of Dudley Town, then William Dudley would have had to have been the son of Robert, Earl of Leicester. Or, what did you say? Leicester. Leicester. Okay. But he wasn't. He wasn't. Leicester. Whatever. He wasn't the son of uh, Robert. So, Robert Dudley only had two sons, and one of them died while still a child. The other one went to Italy, and while he had children, all of them remained in that country. This means that there was no link between William, his sons who founded Dudley Town, and any so-called curse. But, while we may have established the fact that Dudley Town was never cursed, this does not mean that it was not tainted in some other way. There are many places across the country where odd things happen and where the land does not seem quite right. Records indicate that the land around Dudley Town was once Mohawk Indian tribal grounds, but tell us little else before the, before the coming of the first settlers. This region has gained a chilling reputation over the years. Could the weird stories and strange disappearances here be connected to the past in some way, or are they nothing more than just coincidence and imagination? Also, I really want to apologize because my voice is not doing so hot today. Apparently. I feel like it's not. It sounds just as awful as normal. (laughs) Roasted! Yes, he does talk to me like this outside of this podcast, so... No, I don't. I'm a loving husband. I do this for views. I mean, you are a loving husband, but you... Yeah, you do... smell that? That's because I'm the shit. <laughs> oh my god, you do talk to me like that. I just ignore you. Dude, I talk to everybody like that, in fairness. You do? Except for Eli. No, no, I cuss my cat out quite frequently. Well, he cusses you back. Fair enough. Yeah, I told him he stunk earlier, and he was like... Rah, 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 rah. So... What did he say? I'm not doing that again. <laughs> In the early 1740s, the mentioned Thomas Griffiths bought a parcel of land that would later be considered the first lot in Dudley Town. The land today looks much as it did when Griffiths first came here. It is covered in thick forest, and the ground is strewn with rocks. The nearby mountains also heavily shadowed the area, so it receives little sunlight. The woods were later dubbed with the rather ominous name of the Dark Entry Forest. In 1747, Gideon Dudley bought some land from Griffiths to start a small farm. By 1753, Gideon's two brothers, Barzali and Abiel Dudley, from Guilford, Connecticut, also purchased land nearby. A few years later, one Martin Dudley from Massachusetts 
also moved to the area, but was from a different line of the family. He later married Gideon's daughter. Does that mean they were related? That's what I assume. I think that maybe they were like cousins or like second cousins. Second or third cousins? Yeah. So, I don't know. But that's weird because the Dudleys started out in England and they came to America. So, I don't know... <clears throat> if they just think like, I mean, back in the apple didn't fall from fall from the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Oh my god! God, think, uh, I don't think I'm spelling burning toast. I'm not stroking out. You're spelling burning toast. But maybe I smelling? am. Well, you know what? Maybe I am having a stroke. <laughs> my God. Good Lord. One thing that should be mentioned was that Dudley Town was never an actual town. It's a village. It was more isolated part of Cornwall. <laughs> I'm sorry. God, you're so retarded. <laughs> Just read. The village rested in the middle of three large hills, which accounts for the recollections of it being nearly dark at noontime. The Cornwall Township was never a good area for farming, as is apparent by the rocks that were used to build the foundations and stone walls that still stand today. In spite of this, though, Settlers began to trickle into the area. The Tanner family, the Jones, the Pattersons, the Dibbles, and the Porters all took up residence here. The community grew even larger after iron ore was discovered nearby and farming became a secondary concern. However, there were never any stores, shops, schools, or churches in Dudley Town. Provisions had to be purchased in nearby towns, and one died. A trip to Cornwall was necessary because, in addition to there being no church in town, there was no cemetery either. The population of Dudley Town was never large, and according to an 1854 map, the peak number of families who lived here only reached 26. There was no cemetery, so at least you know it's not haunted that way. In spite of all these things, the town did thrive for a time. Dudley Town was noted for its timber, which was burned and used to make wood coal for the nearby Litchfield County iron furnaces in Cornwall and other towns. The furnaces later moved closer to the railroads and the more industrial towns, and the lumber was no longer needed. Iron ore was used from the area for a time, and there were three water-powered mills in Dudley Town as well. Most of the mills eventually closed because of the long trip down the mountain to deliver their goods. Despite the outward signs of prosperity, though, there were strange deaths and bizarre occurrences at Dudley Town from the start. Some historians have attempted to downplay the unusual events in recent years. Despite the outward signs of prosperity, though, there were strange deaths and bizarre occurrences at Dudley Town from the start. Some historians have attempted to downplay the unusual events in recent years. They will debunk the legends of the town by first stating how few people there ever were who lived here, and then will try to downplay the disappearances, cases of insanity, and weird deaths, as if such things happen all the time. And perhaps they do, but why so many unusual happenings in such an isolated area with so few people living in it? The number of deaths that have occurred here would not be such a high number in a larger town, but in this small community, one can't help but wonder exactly what was taking place. There are also an unusual number of people who went insane in this area, as well as people who simply vanished in addition to those who are documented here. It's no wonder, bogus or not, that a story started about Dudley Town curse. Three of the Dudleys moved out of the region and lived long and full lives, dying of natural causes and forever diminishing any possibilities of a curse. Only Abiel Dudley remained in the town, 
and after a series of reverses, lost his fortune and his mind. Abiel died in 1799 at the age of 90, and when he was no longer able to pay his debts, the town took his property, sold it, and then made him a ward of the town. Toward the end, Abel was senile and insane and would not be the last to suffer from this affliction. In 1792, seven years before Abel Dudley passed away, his good friend and neighbor, Gershon Hollister, was killed while building a barn at the home of William Tanner, Abel's closest neighbor. Tanner was also said to have gone insane, although likely from old age or from becoming senile, rather than from supernatural influences. He lived to the age of 104 and, according to records, was slightly demented at the time of his death. There have been stories that have circulated claiming that Tanner told other villages of strange creatures that came out of the woods at night. If this is true, there is no way for us to know if these creatures were products of the unexplained or products of Tanner's feeble mind. What it probably is, is he had dementia. Probably. And he had was to- sun, sundowners? Is that what it's called? Yeah, sundowning. But 104? Dude, for that time... That's old. So, like, even just 90. 90 is old. 90 is old as hell. And 1799? Yeah. And then... Most people live till, like, 50 or 60. For the crazy man to live to 104? I mean, it kind of makes sense. They probably thought he was cursed to go insane. I mean, kind of, kind of, it's like them. Yeah. And then he had dementia, so it's like, oh, the curse is making him lose his mind. Oh, my... Yeah. Instead of just being like, he needs help. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, they didn't discover... Yeah. Uh, dementia wasn't discovered till 1906 like alzheimer's so that's almost 200 well the first like medical description of like a, a little you over. are your mind is collapsing into itself oh so, so that was like 100 years later and these all these people were dead yeah so i mean they died in the town you know but there but everybody that went that quote unquote went insane in the town probably and most of them you would assume are related in some way because there was only a certain number of families that lived in that town. And dementia is normally genetic too. Yeah. So they probably just, you know, kept marrying within the families and then kept having children. And They actually wrote a song about it. What? Insane in the membrane. Oh my God. Insane in the brain. Oh my God. No? Anyways. The Nathaniel Carter family moved to Dudley Town in 1759 and lived in a house once owned by Abiel Dudley before he was made a ward of the town. A mysterious plague swept through Dudley Town and Cornwall and took the lives of the Adoniram Carter family, relatives of Nathaniel, and saddened by the loss, they moved to Binghamton, New York from Dudley Town in 1763. Those who believe in the curse say that the taint of Dudley Town followed after them, but their tragic fate was actually far too common during the early days of the frontier. The Carters moved to the, quote, Delaware wilderness in the heart of Indian territory, and during an attack, Indians slaughtered Nathaniel, his wife, and infant child. The Carters' other three children were abducted and taken to Canada, where two daughters were ransomed. The son, David Carter, remained with his captors, married an Indian girl, and later returned to the United States for his education. He went on to edit a newspaper and became a justice on the Supreme Court. I I don't know. That's just bad luck, honestly. Even if that's not a curse, I don't see how that's common. 
like people being slaughtered by Native Americans. Okay, I'm not saying not that part. I'm saying like oh, just like the death that's following them. Yeah, like this. It just seems like a string of like bad luck. It's like okay, yeah, they were killed by Indians, by Native Americans, whoever, and then the other three children were abducted and then taken to Canada and then they were ransomed. How were they ransomed? They didn't hit nobody to like get money from. They were probably sold off actually. Probably. That's why uh, David Carter married that Indian girl. And he probably, he probably was like, no, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he probably found a girl and married her. I mean, at the time period too, depending on where you were, sucks to suck. It's still a like a really bad string of events. Like I mean, either way. Yeah. Another bizarre tragedy affected one of the most famous residents of the region, General Herman Swift, who had served in the Revolutionary War under George Washington. In eighteen oh four, his wife, Sarah Fay, was struck by lightning while standing on the front porch of their home near Dudleytown. She was killed instantly. The general went insane and died soon after. Why do they keep saying insane? He's probably just sad. Probably. But I, I don't know why every time I hear that somebody was struck by lightning, it makes me laugh. Because it's... and I, <laughs> Well, I mean, he was probably shocked by the whole thing. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I just... I think that's so funny because the the... The probability of somebody being struck by lightning is very low. And there was that one guy who was struck by lightning like seven or eight times in his life. It was 14. Okay, yeah. He you know how he died? By the last... No. Oh. He got kicked in the head by a cow. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Which the likelihood of that is is just as slim. Dying by death by cow. I know. Yeah. I mean, if my if my heart was the death of me, it would I would be death by cow probably too, because I have a, a a cow valve. Yeah, but I got good insurance on me. It's, oh a, it's a win win really for everybody. Anyways, it makes me laugh when people are struck by lightning, and sometimes I know, like I know that sometimes it's tragic, but I just think it's funny. I just the, that's awful. I'm sorry. You're a horrible human being. <laughs> you have obviously never been tased or shocked ever. No, dude, it sucks. No, I've never been tased because I'm scared to. Because what if it does something to my heart? I'm talking about like working with electronics? Like electricity? I touched an electric fence one time. That's not the same. That was it. 240 volts through your chest. Not fun. I'd probably die. Probably, yeah. I'm still here. Dad's still here. Oh my god. It went through both of us. That sucked. And that was only 240 volts. Lightning strike is like 900,000 volts or something like that instantly. That seems ridiculous. You know what? We have the power of the <laughs> internet. <laughs> that seems a little overboard. And I, I know, like, people people do get struck by lightning and people do die, and that's sad. That's tragic. I've just always thought that being struck by lightning just because of... I am so sorry. I way undercut it. Oh, no. 30 million volts <gasps> at 30,000 amps. Oh my gosh. So it only takes a quarter of an amp straight to the heart to stop it. Well, most people, I think that people who get struck by lightning and they survive, they don't get struck in their chest. You know what I mean? Like sometimes they'll get struck in like their arm or their leg. 
where it, wherever it hits them. It doesn't straight go well, to norm, the heart. Norm, normally it blows limbs. Well, it's it's path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. It's always going to go through your foot unless you're standing. With her, because of all the rocks and everything, and because it had a rock foundation... She was probably just electrocuted. If she was standing there, she was probably leaning on a post. It probably went through her shoulder, through her chest, and then out her legs. Yeah, she was standing on her front porch, so she could have had her hand on something, something metal. It could have just made it a whole lot worse, but... But I know that people who do get struck by lightning and people who do survive. <laughs> You're like, well, that's just too many. No, I undersold the shit out of that. <laughs> I, I, people who get struck by lightning and they survive, wherever they get struck, they have like, like the veins, their veins, you can always, you'll always see them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean, most of the time it like blows them apart because your body can't handle it. I don't think that happens either. I think you just get electrocuted. Like It's like a battery just... Like how sand, when, when lightning strikes sand, it makes glass. They show you some pretty sketchy shit in OSHA videos. Like uh, guys' arms being blown off from like 400, 400 amp like service panels and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it, they fuck you up. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so, the general went insane and died soon after. Many have dismissed this incident as not being connected to the other unusual events, saying that Swift did not actually live in Dudley Town, but on Bald Mountain Road where his house still remains today, and that he only went insane when he became old and senile. I just, everybody's going old and senile. Like, that seems to be the, the thing. <laughs> Don't we all? But in an area this, this sparsely populated, the records indicated three people to have gone insane in the space of less than half a century. Could this be more than coincidence? Mere coincidence. Mere. Could this be mere coincidence? And does a person being struck by lightning while standing on their front porch qualify as being unusual? Some would say that it does, and our story is not yet complete. Yeah, it keeps going. And yes, a person being struck by lightning while standing on their porch is unusual. Not for back then. For now, yeah, because everything's grounded correctly. What? That, no. (sighs) I don't even think, no. Yeah. This house is grounded. Yeah, but I don't think the probability was any higher just because you're standing on a porch. Totally. I could stand if you had a metal. All the minerals. It was all rocks, right? All the minerals. Okay. I still don't. I don't know. I just, I don't think the probability, it couldn't have been that much higher in the 1700s. Maybe she's sending God smited her. I mean, maybe. Smite them. According to David E. Phillips, a folklorist and the author of Legendary Connecticut, Dr. Clark and his wife lived peacefully in Dudley Town until one summer when he was called to New York on business. When he returned 36 hours later, his wife was nowhere to be found. Mr. Phillips wrote about it this way. But as he pushed open the front door, which had been left slightly ajar, he heard a sound that he would never forget. From an upstairs room came the maniacal, uncontrolled laughter of one who had taken leave of her senses during his absence his wife had gone quite mad another famous personage allegedly connected to dudley town was horace greeley the editor and founder of the new york tribune or so the stories of the curse go in this case the story deserves to be debunked greeley married a young woman named mary young cheney who the stories of the curse say was born in dudley town 
In truth, Mary was born and raised in near in nearby Litchfield and never lived in Dudley Town. She left the area as early as 1833 and went to live in a vegetarian boarding house that was owned by Dr. Graham of Graham Cracker fame and became involved in the popular wellness movement of the time. While there, she met and later married Horace Greeley. In 1872, Greeley ran for president against Ulysses S. Grant and lost the election. A short time before it, Mary suffered from an attack of lung disease and died. Her death occurred in New York City with her husband and two daughters, Ida and Gabrielle, in attendance. She was buried in Greenwood Cemetery. The legend claims that she committed suicide, but this was not the case. Greeley himself died one month later, and the electoral votes that he received in the election were distributed to minor candidates. Her lung disease is probably TB. Yeah. Black lung. Mm-hmm. It's probably tuberculosis before tuberculosis was discovered. Yeah, I think they, well, they called it black lung. They're like, oh, yeah, it's tuberculosis. Yeah. That's what Arthur Morgan died of. Isn't that from Red Dead 2? Red Dead 2. See? Spoiler I was, alert. I was on the right track. <laughs> And you just ruined that game for everybody. If you haven't played Red Dead Redemption 2, you, we have problems. That game's been out forever. And somebody might not have. Why is your cat cleaning his ass so loudly? Not nah. back it's off. It's his paw. Cleaning his socks. Make sure his socks are white. <laughs> oh my God. After the Civil War, Dudley Town began to die, and many of the villagers simply packed up and moved away. The demise of the town itself is hardly surprising. Whether you believe in this so-called curse or not, its geographical location was foolhardy at best. Surrounded by hills and at elevations of more than 1,500 feet, there was little chance that a good crop would ever grow and sustain life in the village. Winters were harsh here, and even the hardy apple trees were stunted from months of cold. As mentioned already, the soil was rocky, and the area was plagued by almost too much water. It pulled into tepid swamps, seeped into the earth, creating a damp morass. But even if you overlook the idea of an actual curse and admit that the location of the town must have had a hand in its undoing, the sheer number of unusual deaths, leaving out that of Mary Greeley, and mental conditions in such an isolated area more than suggest that something out of the ordinary was occurring in the little town. And no matter how hard the debunkers try to disregard the next mysterious event to occur in Dudley Town, their efforts fall short. Yeah, so we're still not done. There's still more. So the next event occurred in 1901, at a time when the population of Dudley Town had dwindled away to almost nothing. One of the last residents of the town was a, was a man named John Patrick Brophy. Tragedy visited swiftly and in several blows. First, his wife died of consumption, which was not uncommon in those days, and there was nothing strange about her ailment, as she had been suffering from it for years. This did not lessen Brophy's grief, however, but he was soon further stricken when his two children vanished into the forest just a short time after the funeral. And while their disappearance could have been voluntary, they had been accused of stealing sleigh blankets, a minor offense. There is nothing to indicate that it was. They vanished and were never found. Shortly after, the Brophy's house burned to the ground in an unexplained fire, and not long after, Brophy himself vanished into the forest, and he was never seen again. So for our listeners, consumption is slang for TB. Tuberculosis. So, so she dies... She dies from TB, and then... After the funeral, the kids 
just go into the forest and wander, disappear. Wander off into the forest. His house burns down, and then he disappears. That doesn't seem coincidental at all. That seems very, like, like they went insane. Or somebody was being vindictive. Oh, probably could have been that, too. And they just... Poof. Like, the wife died. The kids were little shits. Somebody got mad. Kids vanished. Burned homeboy's house down. And then he poofed. And then he poofed. Yeah. That could be it, too. That's... But that's that doesn't seem coincidental to me. That seems no. That chain of very, events seems very like I'm going to destroy your life. Yeah, that seems like maybe after he maybe after his wife died, he I feel like there's something that's not said here because maybe after his wife died, he did something. He pissed somebody off, or the kids did, or the kids did, and they disappeared first, and then he may he maybe he became like a recluse and he stayed in his house, and somebody was still like pissed off and they were like right. no well the only way that, that they could get him back because he was locked in his house was to burn it down by the early 1900s dudley town was completely deserted the remaining homes began to fall into despair and ruin and soon the forest began to reclaim the village that had been carved out of it but there was still one other death that proponents of the curse have connected to dudley town and while the curse may be unlikely it does mark one additional case of insanity for an isolated region that was already riddled with them Around 1900, Dr. William Clark came to Cornwall and fell in love with the forest and the quiet country life. Clark had been born in 1877 and grew up on a farm in Tenafly, New Jersey. He later became a professor of surgery and taught at Columbia College of Physicians and Surgeons, as well as earning a reputation as the leading cancer specialist in New York. He purchased 1,000 acres of land in the wilds of Connecticut, which included Dudley Town, and began construction of a summer and vacation home here. Over the next number of years, he and his wife, Harriet Bank Clark, visited the house on the weekends and during the summer until it was completed. After that, it became mostly a holiday house for short trips in the summer and for Thanksgiving. Together, they maintained an idyllic second life near Dudley Town until 1918. One summer weekend, Dr. Clark was called away to New York in an emergency. His wife stayed behind, and according to the story, he returned 36 hours later to find that she had gone insane, just as a number of previous residents of the village had done. The story also claims that she told of strange creatures that came out of the forest and attacked her. She committed suicide soon after. But how much truth is there to this tale? Perhaps more than some would like you to believe. It has been recorded that for several years before her suicide, Mrs. Clark suffered from a chronic illness. So that's just more about Dr. Clark and what he did uh, that he, you know, all the land that he bought and stuff. Because I don't think that that was mentioned when I talked about him. No. No. It just says that he lived there. There's got to be something in the water, dude. Yeah. So there is nothing to indicate what this ailment might have been or whether it was physical or mental. It is safe to say that mentally stable individuals do not ordinarily take their own lives. As far as whether or not she saw strange creatures in the woods, well, we will never really know for sure, but even if we disregard this, we will still have one more suicide that occurred to a resident of the nearly non-existent village of Dudley Town. While undoubtedly shattered by his wife's suicide, Dr. Clark continued to maintain his house in Dudley Town and continued to visit. A number of years later, he remarried and returned to stay at his summer house until a larger home was completed nearby in 1930. 
1924, he and his wife, Corita, as well as other doctors, friends, and interested landowners, formed the Dark Entry Forest Association. It was designed to act as forest preserves so that the land around Dudleytown would remain forever wild. They held their first meeting in 1926 with 41 members. Dr. Clark died in Cornwall Bridge in February of 1943, and Corita passed away five years later. A number of their children and family members still reside in the area. That's cool. So they, they, they stayed there. But they're in Cornwall, which, I mean, I guess is still Dudley Town. Well, they're like on the outskirts of it, I guess. Right. Today, Dudley Town is mostly deserted, except for the curiosity seekers and tourists who come looking for the thrills. The Dark Forest Injury Association still owns most of the land the village once stood on. There are a group of homes on Bald Mountain Road that are very secluded from the main roads and they belong to the closest residents. These locals maintain that nothing supernatural takes place in this region and perhaps they are right. It seems unlikely that the curse on Dudley Town ever really existed. But on the other hand, there is something strange about such a small area with so many disappearances, unusual deaths, suicides, and cases of insanity. The stories of a curse had to have gotten started for some reason, and perhaps this is why. As far as we know, the ghostly tales began to surface in the 1940s. It was at this time that visitors to the ruins of the village began to speak of strange incidences, wispy apparitions in the woods. Even today, those who have visited the place boast of paranormal photographs, overwhelming feelings of terror, mysterious lights, sights and sounds, and even of being touched, pushed, and scratched by unseen hands. Some researchers refer to the area as a negative power spot or some place where entities enter this world from the other side. I feel like they're like exaggerating a little bit on that. Yeah. I mean, maybe not. I mean, they probably people. I still think people see what they want to see. You know what I mean? Well, it's like it's like if I told you this house was haunted, mm-hmm. you would start seeing things. Right. Because your brain is going to tell you it's haunted. There are ghosts. Look for them. Right. And pictures can always be explained. So Looking for ghosts in all the wrong places. Oh, my God. They say this may explain strange events in Dudley Town's history, like eerie, like the eerie reports, the strange creatures, and perhaps even the outbreaks of insanity and madness. The place is often thought of as tainted in some way, as if the ground has somehow spoiled here or perhaps was sour all along. Some historians and debunkers dismiss such reports and theories and maintain that just because the so-called curse of Dudley Town doesn't exist, then nothing strange has ever occurred here either. However, an open-minded look at some of the things that have happened do seem to show this is a strange place and one that has been an enigma from the earliest days of its history. Whether or not there is any truth to the accounts of people who have come here since the days when the village was abandoned is up to you to decide. Trying to visit Dudley Town today can be hazardous and not because of ghosts. It should be noted that the planners for the Dark Forest Entry Association have forbidden trespassing on their property. In 1999, they announced that they would no longer allow hikers on the land. In spite of this, people still go, now daring not only the spirits, but authorities as well. Unfortunately, the ruins of Dudley Town have been vandalized in recent years, and the constant streams of trespassers have had a negative effect on the ecology of the area. Just as unfortunate is the fact that the forbidden quality of Dudley Town is what brings so many curiosity seekers to the vicinity. 
However, some advise to refrain from visiting the area until methods can be devised to prevert to preserve the wilderness here and until this unsettled corner of New England has been open to the public again. So it's not open to the public. So don't go. Don't trespass. You're going to probably get caught by the cops. I mean, people do it all the time, but I'm I'm letting you know I don't want to be a part of this. So don't do it on my account. Thank you. That's all. If you live in Connecticut, I didn't tell you to go trespass. I told you not to. I'm just letting you know that I have. So now that I have that on record. Disclaimer. Yes. <laughs> so, but I mean. Or they told people to stop hiking there because they were tired of people disappearing on well, their property. It sounds like because most of the, obviously it's, it's a forest now. So, because mo- most of the houses and everything are down. It seems like there's only a few foundations left that they're probably, they're probably working on tearing it down to just make it a forest. And that's right. why they started the association. They probably just want to preserve it for wildlife and for, you know, specific nature that grows Ghosts. in that area. Yeah. And that too. Yeah. No. So anyways, that was the story of Dudley Town, Connecticut, or it's also called Village of the Damned, um, the Dark Entry Forest, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to Google it as. Village of the Damned sounds like a heavy metal band. Yeah. So... Uh, my resources for this story were American Hauntings. Um, I don't know what this website is. American Hauntings NK.com and New York Times. So NYTimes.com. So, but I mean, if you're in Connecticut and you maybe, maybe, I don't know if it's open to the public yet. Obviously, you can google that on your own and if it is you can go see it or if you know more about it because you're from the area yeah if you know more about it you can always let us know but if it is open to the public and you can go see it we're not from connecticut and we don't plan on going to connecticut anytime soon so if it is open to the public and you go up there maybe you can take pictures and send it to us that would be cool so other than that i guess we will see you next week and It sounds like Eli will be with us, too. Okay. We'll see you next week. We'll be here. Bye. Thanks for coming to hang out with us and letting us tell you stories. Don't forget, you can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, at 3AM Tales of Terror. You can find pictures from each episode there, as well as our website, 3, the number 3, 3AM Tales of Terror.com. You can also subscribe with your email at our website for updates, as well. If you have questions or story ideas for us, you can email us at info at 3amtalesofterror.com. If you want to support us, you can sign up to become part of our Patreon. There you will get ad-free episodes as well as bonus content. We hope you'll join us next week. And And we we hope hope you you are terrified. terrified.